This happened about seven years ago, ironically on Halloween night. It was pretty late, close to midnight, so all the kids in the neighborhood had already gone home. Even our neighbors across the way had stopped playing their corny Halloween tape. You know, the ones with the creaking door sounds and witch cackling. It was just me and my cousin Q, sitting in the living room. Now, my other cousin, who was about four years old, had left her doll laying on the floor, face down. It was one of those baby live dolls or something like that. The ones with the moving eyelids. Q had issues with that doll the moment it was bought. She hated it and said it was creepy. In fact, she often threw it down the basement stairs. I had no problems with it, and so it stayed on the floor so my little cousin could pick it up in the morning. It was very quiet for about half an hour, until I heard a loud, rasping, shuffling noise that seemed to be coming from outside. It sounded like an older man right outside our window. I turned to Q, who looked back at me. Did you hear that? It's probably the neighbor's tape again, she said. She went back to typing on her computer. It was silent for another minute before we heard the rasping noise again, louder this time. It sounded like the man was trying to say something. I got up from the couch and peeked out the window. Absolutely no one out there, not even in the street. Our neighbor's house was dark. It was as still as any night in our quiet neighborhood. There's no one out there, I said, looking back to Q. She didn't say anything. I was kind of getting freaked out. Another minute passed, and this time there was whispering. But loud whispering. I remember it sounded like a kid and a woman. Q finally looked up from her computer. It's that doll, she said. Of course she thought it was. She was very superstitious. I gave her a skeptic look. Let me say this. I don't believe in the paranormal. I leant down and picked up the doll. It was fine. Her eyes were closed. I forgot to say that it had a voice box thing in it but it didn't have any batteries. I put it back down. No, it's not. Just leave it alone, I told her. It was silent again. I went back to my seat on the couch. The rasping started again, and I heard the man say something garbled, followed by wheezing. I jumped up from the couch. I was going to see if it was coming from the backyard. Just as I started walking, I noticed that the doll had moved a little. I picked it up again and turned it over. Its eyes were open and it was heavier than before. I dropped it and Q threw it down the basement again. I still have no idea what to think. Q denies it ever happened and my little cousin never asked about her doll after that. I saw the doll only one time after that, on the top basement step laying on its side. This time I pushed it down the steps. I was up late reading on a cold night. My bedroom is on the first floor, and I live alone in a relatively quiet and wooded area. For that reason, a lot of my windows didn't have any blinds, since it wasn't as if people driving by were able to look into my house. Plus, I like waking up to the sunlight shining in my bedroom. But this one night made me regret never getting blinds in the bedroom. After finally shutting my reading lamp to get some shut-eye, I had a good two minutes of silence before I heard the sound of something hitting the window. It sounded like a single tap from a person's fist. I was facing away from the window and didn't want to turn around. 
I was used to hearing things like tree branches brush up against the walls and windows, but I distinctly recognized the sound to be a fist hitting glass. The thought that somebody might be outside my window watching me frightened me. The fact that somebody would walk all the way onto my property to my bedroom window. I tried to accept that maybe it was just a tree branch, but a second and single knock at the window confirms my fear. It was a fist hitting the glass, and somebody was outside my window. I figured that if I just ignored it, they would go away. Maybe it was just some punk trying to mess with me. If they thought I was sleeping, they would get bored. Another knock at the window came, and I desperately tried to just stay still and show no reactions. But when the fourth knock came routinely, I decided enough was enough. I should confront this jerk like a real man. I turned to the window, and just barely caught a glimpse of a black shadow quickly moving under the window. For some reason, actually seeing something at the window killed any courage I had, and I ran to the kitchen phone and called the police. They said they would have an officer over in ten minutes. When I hung up, I saw something in the corner of my eye. I turned my head and saw somebody standing outside my kitchen window, surely looking at me. Only for a second though, because as soon as I noticed, he took off. Somebody was watching me through all the windows. Then I received a disturbing phone call. It was my neighbor, who also happens to be my best friend. He happened to notice through his window that three people dressed in black walked onto my property earlier, one of them with a sharp shiny object in his hand. This only made me panic even more. I ran upstairs where I knew I couldn't be watched and hid in the bathroom. I heard constant single knocks at the front door downstairs. No way it was the police. I just prayed they would get there in time, and thankfully, moments after the knocking stopped, I heard heavy banging at the front door, followed by someone screaming police. It turned out to be the cops, but whoever the three men were, were already gone into the woods. It might have been more than three, I don't even know. All I know is they were never caught, and that I went out to get blinds the same week. My parents are divorced, and I was living with my dad. I'm an only child, so the only time I was around kids my own age was when I was out making friends with kids on the block. There was this one kid that lived on the corner of my block. His name was Tom. I met him while riding my bike. He strangely invited me over to shoot some hoops with him, so I did. He was a lot older than me. I was 12 and he was 16. I found out after hanging out with him a lot that he was an only child as well and that he also lived with his dad. At first I found him very relatable. I gave him my phone number and he would call to hang out, sometimes he would come over and play video games, but then he started getting weird. He would call non-stop. If I didn't answer, he would begin to leave annoyed messages. He would call five or six times before coming over and ringing the bell. If my dad wasn't home, I usually didn't answer it, but when he was home, he would force me to hang out with Tom, even though I told him he was creepy. I biked with Tom back down to his house while pretending to listen to him babble on about stupid shit. This kid would never shut up. I needed to find a way to get him to stop looking for me. Then, for the first time, he invited me into his house. I really didn't want to go in, but it didn't seem I had a choice. 
The second I walked into the door, the foul, disgusting odor of his house filled my lungs. Clothes were tossed all over the floor, broken glass in one corner of the room, and what looked like coffee stains on the wall. It was the most disgusting place I'd ever seen. And then, a huge, shady-looking man walked out from another room. He looked at me with a very intimidating look. I felt myself backing up away from him, until Tom introduced him as his father. The man just gave me a big grunt and stomped off into another room. It was official, this kid was a fucking creep. I needed to get away from him for good. I decided I didn't even want to be in that house anymore and just made up some excuse to go. I think that I said that I forgot I had a doctor's appointment, and at that moment, his smile slowly faded as an unhappy, if not extremely angry expression crossed his face. He didn't even give me any response, he just looked at me with this unnerving stare. I left in a hurry and ran back down the block to my house. The door was locked, surprisingly. I unlocked it with the key my dad made me carry and found that he wasn't home. I really wanted him to be home. And then I found a little sticky note on the fridge, saying he was called into work for a possible storm emergency. So that night before going to sleep, I checked my email for a response from somebody on eBay. But instead, I had about five new emails, all titled in capital letters, and they were all sent from an email named tomtom20 at aol.com. It was him. I never gave him my email and still have no idea how he got it. One of the emails was titled, You Made a Mistake. Another was titled, I Know Where You Live. And the rest were filled with profanity and threats. I was only 12 and was extremely intimidated by this, so I was ready to call my dad, but as soon as I was heading to the kitchen phone, I heard the sound of rustling bushes outside. I opened the blinds of the window that was facing the bushes, and was greeted by the face of a huge man who I instantly recognized as Tom's dad. I called the police, but by the time they arrived, he was already gone. When my dad came home early because of the situation, we went on to get a restraining order as soon as possible. Tom and his dad moved out about a month after that. I moved into a house that my aunt and uncle had been renting out for several years after they built a new place. I spent a few months alone before a buddy from work asked if I was looking for a roommate. I thought about it for a few days and ended up allowing him to move in. It was a two-bedroom place with a den and office in the garage. He decided he wanted his own space as the bedrooms were right next to each other, so he moved his stuff into the office in the garage. And I have to admit, it was a pretty cool setup he had. The only problem, he didn't have a bathroom or a kitchen out there, so he would use the kitchen and toilet in the house. We worked different schedules, so I would often leave the house unlocked for him. One night, I went to my girlfriend's house for dinner. After I got back, I decided to grab a six-pack of beer I had bought the previous night. When I opened the fridge, my beer was gone. I assumed it was my roommate and went into a blind rage. I stormed out into the garage and slammed his bedroom door open. He was sleeping and rolled over. I screamed at him, asking why he drank my beer without asking. He said he didn't touch my beer and rubbed the sleep out of his eyes. Having lived with him for a while, I was pretty good at judging when he was lying. I felt he was telling the truth. My heart sank as I came to the realization that somebody had stolen our beer from the fridge and whatever else. We went back into the house and made sure everything was in its place. 
The TV was there, all the furniture. It wasn't until I went into my bedroom and realized my $2,000 laptop was gone that we began to panic. My buddy called the cops and we searched high and low for the beer and laptop, thinking I might have misplaced them. We soon gave up and began to search the yard for whoever had done this. We didn't live alone in this house though. There was a room that had been built on several years after the house was built. My aunt's dying mother spent her last couple of years living there as it was easy for my aunt and uncle to care for her during her sickness. When she died, they began to rent the room out to a strange woman before eventually moving out themselves and renting the rest of the house out. The woman remained there until we moved in and my aunt and uncle had their concerns with her. They believed she was a drug addict, which became evident to us during our stay there. She behaved erratically and we would hear strange noises from her end of the house all hours of the night. Her brother moved in several months after we did, which was strange because her place was a one-bedroom suite. We figured he just slept on the couch or something. He was even weirder than her though. He wouldn't acknowledge me when I pulled up into the driveway while he was sitting having a smoke. Trying to make conversation with the guy was pointless. He basically just stared through your soul. One night he even asked my roommate if he could score him drugs. That night during our search for the burglar, we went out to the garage door, only to find bare footprints in the snow. The footprints led from their sweet door to our garage door. We put two and two together and began banging on their door. We said we knew it was him and he better answer the door. Someone inside lifted the curtain and made eye contact with me, which to this day still gives me chills. The cops showed up and took down all our information. They scoured the house and found nothing and no one. We showed them the footprints and explained that the people living in the suite were drug addicts. We gave the officers their names. They ran their names in their cruiser and came back to inform us that the man had a warrant in another province and was convicted of breaking and entering several years back. The cops knocked on their door for several minutes and identified themselves as police officers to no avail. They informed us that because the warrant was from out of province and technically the man hadn't committed a crime, there was nothing they could do about it. The cops left and it was 1am, so my roommate and I went to bed. The door that connects the two weirdos' suite and my part of the house can only be locked from their side of the door. I completely forgot about this before falling asleep. During the night, I heard footsteps outside my door and a few loud bangs. My doorknob began to shake violently. I was barely awake and brushed it off as my roommate. Luckily, I always lock my bedroom door at night. The next morning, I asked my roommate what was so important at 3am that he would need to try and get in my room. He told me he slept through the night and hadn't even got up to go to the bathroom. My heart sank. I told him what had happened during the night. I have never been more glad that I locked my door at night due to some silly childhood fear that I've held onto into adulthood. To this day, I wonder what would have happened if I left my bedroom door open and that man got into my room. Needless to say, me and my buddy moved out of that place a few weeks later. It happened on my friend's 21st birthday. We were throwing him a big party filled with alcohol. There were a lot of people I didn't know there. It was just chaotic in the house. There were probably a hundred people. But even in all the chaos, I noticed one shady character that stood out. There was an older man sitting in the corner of the room, just kind of watching everybody drinking and dancing. 
I didn't think much about it at first, assuming it was someone's dad or uncle or something. But as the night died down and more than half of the guests had already left, the man was still there by himself in the corner. At that point, I asked one of my friends who that guy was, and he said he had no idea. We decided to wait until most of the guests had left, figuring maybe he would too. And when the last of the guests were gone, we went back into the living room, and surely enough, he was gone. I felt relieved immediately, even though it wasn't even my house. That man just seemed so out of place, and it was downright creepy. Me and a couple of other friends slept over that night. I slept on the couch in the den. Falling asleep was easy with all the alcohol running through my veins, but staying asleep was a problem. I woke up in the middle of the night, feeling insanely thirsty and having to go to the bathroom. I first went to the bathroom since it was closer, and then went up to the kitchen and got a glass of water. When I went back down to the den and laid back down on the couch, I noticed that the sliding door to the coat closet across from the couch had been slightly slid open. It was too dark to see anything else though, like anything inside of it. I felt a chill run down my spine as I remembered the creepy man sitting in the corner. The idea of that man hiding in the closet immediately popped into mind. I continued to lay still, under the assumption that he was watching me through the open door of the closet. I began to plan my escape. I could jump over the other couch and land right next to the stairway upstairs to the living room, but I just had to gather up the courage to do it. Then I saw the closet door slide open a little more, and that's when I got the courage to run for it. I jumped over the couch and ran up the stairs. I could hear the closet door fully slide open and somebody running after me. I screamed at my friends who were on the couches to wake up. All three of my friends that were in the living room woke up and looked at me as if I were crazy. I knew that we now outnumbered him four to one, so I looked at the stairs and waited, but he never came up. My friends demanded an explanation, so I told them that the creepy man from earlier was hiding in the coat closet and he almost chased me up the stairs. Just then, we heard the back door from down in the den open up and we all looked at each other. We called the cops, but the man was never found. He simply left through the back door. When I was going to college in North Carolina, I started working at a local TJ Maxx store for some extra cash. Since I was in class during the day, I usually worked the later shifts. One night I was walking to my car, I think it was about 11 or 11.30. As a safety protocol, all the employees left together and the security guard would watch from the sidewalk to make sure we all got to our cars alright. I was approaching my car when I heard a car pull up behind me. I turned around and there was a woman with her teenage daughter in the passenger seat. She rolled the window down and started giving me a story about how they just came into town to visit family and that they're out of gas and have no money, and then asked if they could borrow a few dollars. I told them the truth, which was that I had no cash on me. I never carry cash. So she just looked at me and asked very hurriedly if I would get into the car with them, go to the gas station, and buy them about $10 worth of gas. I mean, obviously I said no, and she asked a few more times. It wasn't until I had said no that I noticed the daughter in the passenger seat had been staring at me the whole time, and she was licking her lips and wringing her fingers. At that point, I bolted back to the store where the security guard was because they had pulled up behind my car so I would have been stuck there. I told him what had happened. He started walking to their car and they sped away. 
Working the night shift always sucked. I work in an office building and would constantly do the night shift since it was the only time it would work out for me. I was just about always the only person on the floor I worked on, possibly in the whole building. There would always be a kind of eerie feeling to being in such a big building with most of the lights out and absolutely no one around. But on the upside, it was peaceful and less stressful and I was able to get a lot of work done. There was this one night though, it was a Friday night around 2 in the morning. I was typing away on my keyboard when I heard a noise from outside my cubicle. It sounded like just a random crack from the walls or something. It's unusual in this building, but I didn't get too concerned about it. I resumed typing away and was once again interrupted by a sound. This time, the sound of a computer starting up. It caught me off guard. I, I was sure nobody else was working the night shift. I stood up on my chair to get a view over the cubicle walls. The glare of a computer screen in the dark was visible in a cubicle on the opposite side of the room. Then I did something stupid, something I regret. I asked if there was anybody there in a yell, hoping to get an answer from a fellow employee. But instead, I saw the glaring light of the computer monitor across the room turn off, and there was once again nothing but darkness on that side of the room. I started getting nervous. I turned off the lamp and computer screen so that I wouldn't give away my position to whoever that was. I crouched down and tiptoed out across to a nearby cubicle. There was just utter silence. I sat waiting for something to happen for god knows how long, but I eventually decided the coast was clear. I tiptoed down past all the cubicles until I reached the opening near the exit door to the stairs and elevators, and that's when I realized that my fearful suspicion was true. There was a man crouched down behind a plant in the corner of the room dressed in all black. I felt my heart sink as I noticed him, but it didn't seem like he knew that I noticed him. I turned back to the stairway door. There was no way I was going to wait for the elevator and take a chance. I casually opened the door and closed it behind me, proceeding to walk down the stairs. After making it down about two flights of stairs, I heard the door above me push open aggressively, followed by manic echoing footsteps coming fast down the stairs. I raced down the stairs, running as fast as I could, all while the footsteps above me were getting louder. I finally made it to the first floor, raced through the lobby, and out the front door. Whoever was in there didn't follow me. I immediately called the cops, along with one of my bosses. My boss said no one was scheduled to work except for me. The cops scanned the place from top to bottom. There was no one in there. I couldn't help them out with any description other than he was wearing all black. I did continue to do the night shift for about a week after that, with my boss allowing me to lock all possible entrances to the floor, including the elevators. But I still wasn't comfortable with it. So ever since, I've been doing the day shifts. It was 4am on a Saturday night. I woke up to my stomach rumbling and nothing is worse than trying to sleep on an empty stomach. So I got out of bed and made my way to the kitchen to make a sandwich. But immediately I noticed that the cabinet was open. I'm always super obsessive over closing everything I open, so I couldn't believe that I had done that. I found it more odd than most people would. That's just how I am. Most people would shut the cabinet and forget about it. But I went as far as investigating around the house for any unwanted guests. There was nobody in any of the closets I checked, but when I went down to the den, the back door was wide open. I was certain now that someone had been in my house. 
I somehow had the balls to step outside and turn on the patio light, and there was somebody sitting in one of the patio chairs. He looked at me with a blank expression and got up slowly. He looked filthy, almost homeless. His hair was down to his shoulders. He started walking closer to me. I couldn't tell what his intentions were, and I kind of just stood there, almost taking him as harmless. But he suddenly lunged at me, and I barely had time to shut the door and lock it. We stared each other down for 10 seconds through the glass, until I finally realized I should be taking that time to call the cops. I ran to the kitchen to get the phone, and as I was dialing, I noticed when I got back that he was already gone. I still called the cops, but nothing was ever found of the man. This is a very weird story that took place a few months ago. I still live in the same house this happened in. I have an electrical outlet under my bed that I use to charge my phone with. I leave my phone up on the ledge above my bed every night, usually using it as an alarm. However, something strange started happening on a Monday night in February. I woke up to my alarm clock blasting, only it was still dark out. I looked at my actual alarm clock sitting on my desk. It was 4 in the morning. I wasn't sure if I had accidentally set a new alarm. The alarm was titled, Down. I unset it and went back to sleep, not overthinking it. The next night, I woke up again to the sound of my phone's alarm clock blasting. I saw that the time was 3 in the morning, and the alarm clock title was set to, Beneath. No way had I set that alarm. I would remember something like that. I figured my brother was playing a joke on me somehow. The next morning, I told my dad to tell him to stop messing with my alarm clock, that it's interrupting my actual sleep on school nights. But he swore on his life that he had never touched it, and I kind of believed him. That night, I put a password on my phone and wrote it on a sticky note just for safekeeping. I hid the sticky note on the wall behind my bed and made sure no extra alarms were set. The only one was set for 8am. I fell asleep, but once again, I woke up to the blasting alarm clock in total darkness. 2am. The alarm was titled, The. I was a little freaked out now. Something was really wrong with my phone. I was sure someone was hacking into it. The next day I left it off for the whole day in hopes that whoever was messing with it would forget about it. And that night I used my actual alarm clock on my desk as an alarm instead. I set it to 8am and went to sleep, but when I woke up, there was once again no sunlight. My alarm clock was off, so I couldn't see the time. It was my phone. It had been moved to the ledge, but the alarm clock sound wasn't the usual marimba. It was some kind of distorted screaming sound. I turned off the alarm, which was titled Bed. It was one in the morning. I was laying there clueless, not knowing what to think. My phone was at 10%, so I reached down under my bed to try and find the charger that's normally plugged into the wall. It was missing. And then, at the worst possible time, I realized exactly what it all meant. The four alarm titles formed a sentence, down beneath the bed. I tried to pull my arm away, 
but it was too late. I felt a hand grab my arm and squeeze tight. I screamed as loud as I could, loud enough for all the neighbors to hear. I heard my parents' bedroom door open and footsteps running over to my room. My door opened and my dad barged in with a baseball bat. He saw that I was being pulled down to the edge of my bed. My dad reached under my bed and grabbed a hold of the man hiding under. He knocked him out with the bat and called the cops. The man clearly didn't plan that out as he basically trapped himself under my bed. Police told us that he was a registered sex offender who had been arrested 10 times. He's extremely messed up in the head and clearly gains pleasure from messing with and scaring his victims. It scares me the most that he was in our house and under my bed for four days. The most horrifying experience that ever happened to me didn't even directly happen to me. I have a friend that I'll call Ty. We would hang out or at least text every day, but there was this one day that he didn't respond to any of my texts or calls. I went over to his house, which was a block away, to see if he was alright. I knocked and rang, but he didn't answer, which was weird because his car was there. I got the feeling he wanted to be left alone, but late that night, I got a FaceTime request from an unknown number. I cautiously answered it with the camera aimed away from my face. A face popped up on the screen and it was Ty. I felt so relieved and showed my face. When I got a little better look at his face, I noticed he looked different. Like a lot more tired and, I don't know, paranoid I guess. And he was also in an unfamiliar room. I asked him where he was and why he wasn't answering to which he responded that he was fine and he was at home. I asked him whose phone he was using, and he just took a long pause before answering. He just blankly stared at the camera until finally answering that he was using his uncle's phone. That was really weird, but before I could question him further, he all of a sudden demands that I lend him $10,000 and that he'll pay me back. I can't help but laugh at this until I see that he's serious. More than just serious. His facial expression filled with what looked like worry. I asked him why the hell he needed so much money and there was once again a huge pause with him just staring into the camera. He finally says he has to go and with that the call ended. It was probably one of the weirdest and most unnerving experiences of my life. I had never seen him act so weird. Something was clearly wrong with him. But it was late, and I figured I would just go over to his house tomorrow and talk with him. The next day, first thing in the morning, I went straight over to his house and rang the doorbell about ten times. He didn't answer. I eventually gave it up as a lost cause. If he wanted to act sketchy, that was his problem. But late that night, around the same time, I received another FaceTime call from another unknown number. I answered it, and it was again Ty. But this time... He looked like shit. His hair was a mess. He had a cut on his forehead. He had bags under his eyes. I didn't understand what the hell was wrong with him. He wouldn't tell me anything. He just kept demanding $10,000 to be paid to some random address, to which I kept telling him no. And then he said something that still haunts me. He said in a shaky, nervous voice, Come on, don't point a gun at my back. It hit me like a bullet as he said this, accompanied with an ever so slightly twitch of his left eye, to which I interpreted as a wink. 
But then, the call ended abruptly, and I can only imagine what was going to happen to him. By some miracle, I remembered the address and sent the cops there right away. It was an old abandoned house on a basically deserted block miles away from my house. They found Ty in the basement, beaten senseless and barely alive, but they got to him just in time. The sicko that did this to him was already long gone. Ty doesn't like to talk about it, but the most he told me was that he was walking home before everything went black, and he woke up in a dark basement.